Hi everyone, Jason here. On May the 14th, Stephen and myself will be appearing with the one and only Mark Lewison at the Pavilion Theatre in Dunleary, Dublin. We're going to be celebrating 60 years of a hard day's night and we would love you to join us. For tickets, go to paviliontheatre.ie or nothingisrealpod.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to Nothing Is Real, a podcast about the Beatles. Everybody thinks they know the Beatles, but how much do we really know? My name's Jason Carty. My name's Stephen Cockcroft. And we're live on tape from Dublin, Belfast and Winston-Salem in North Carolina. Hooray, because we're joined by William Hinson. Hello, William. Hello, fellas. <laughs> now, William Hinson, you should know, is a friend of the show. He's a talented musician. He's just put out his latest single, Social Fitness, which is available in all the usual places. And you can track him down at www.williamhinson.com. But most importantly, he is a friend of the show and is our roving North America correspondent and resident young person, which uh, <laughs> is also explains why he runs our Instagram, because we just don't understand, do we, Stephen? We don't. We just don't, we don't, don't we understand. Don't. And... Um, But William has come to talk to us today because he has been to see the Beatles get back in IMAX, haven't you? Yes, I did. I went yesterday. It was great fun. So uh, so we're going to pick your brains and welcome to the show. It's nice to finally talk to you. And we've interacted a lot online, but actually haven't had any kind of reasonable conversation. So it's good to put it all together. It's like a dream come true. For us <laughs> that's for us that's, that's what everyone says. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah. So as we speak, uh, we're we're at the end of Get Back Month, January, and there's been a lot of odd things going on um, because this IMAX showing has been happening. But I think the first thing we should probably talk about briefly is that the rooftop gig finally got a release. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm glad it wasn't in the box set. I think it's really good it wasn't in the box set. I do not want a physical release. I don't want a CD. I don't want vinyl. How could they do this? How could they do this? Everything they do just makes the disappointment box ever more disappointing. It is. I don't I don't understand whether this is all part of some hilariously giant, well-thought-out plan and that there's a, a 12-month slowly evolving get-back window of releases that we're in the middle of or whether it actually is an ad hoc, oh, we better put this out for streaming straight away. The one, the word you're looking for is shambles, I think. Yes, omni-shambles. I I mean, Which, I can't, yeah, I don't know. What do you think, William? Well, I was, I was gonna say, you know, the whole experience of the Let It Be sessions, the Get Back sessions, whatever you want to call it, was more or less shambles, no? <laughs> yes. So you think you think they're recreating the the shambolic <laughs> nature of the original? Yeah. I think you may be onto something there. It's uh, it's performance art. <laughs> well, up until uh, the Get Back Peter Jackson movie came out, um, I think we were all sort of shrugging our shoulders, saying, "Ah, oh, let it be." Is it doomed to be disappointing forever? The Let It Be box was a bit disappointing, and then Get Back comes out, and everybody universal love, universal acclaim. 
And in some ways, it makes the the musical side of things even more disappointing that they didn't just climb a mountaintop and do something fantastic. And then if you're going down the route A of actually maybe there's a big plan, you can think, well, maybe there is now a rooftop gig physical edition coming and a, you know, and some other tidbit extras coming as well. But then again, if it's ad hoc crazy Beatles land, who knows? If it's if if there is going to be a physical release, I don't think it's there's no there is no plan. There is no plan. I think I think get back took Apple completely by surprise. Uh, uh, you know, we, what we what we know from Get Back is, uh, from the Peter Jackson Get Back is, these sessions were fine. You know, these were create <laughs> these creative these were creative sessions. They had arguments, but they were they were getting on. They were pulling songs. You know, uh, George is writing. Paul was kind of you know at the top of his game. Yeah. But by the time the film came out, they'd broken up. It was tainted by that. The Beatles have this negativity about that particular period, those four or five weeks, they always did. They, right up to, you know, anthology um, is where George was saying, winter of our discontent. This is terrible. This is awful. This is Klein. This was this, this was this. And the negativity around, I genuinely think Apple thought, we'll get the box set out. There'd be a film we'll try and rehabilitate this and then we move on to the next project. And then suddenly Peter Jackson produces this eight hours of material. Everybody loves it and they're completely wrong footed because they're not ready with a response. And then their response is, yeah, well, quick, quick, we, we put the rooftop gig out. But then Giles comes on and says, well, oh, there wasn't room in the box to put the rooftop gig, you know. But there was room for a, for a EP that nobody wanted. Yeah. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, the, the, the whispers and the murmurs have been and also logic would dictate that that EP was this replacement for sure. a rooftop gig, you know, and if that's true, did you know, the, 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 the conspiracy theory is that Disney kept it out or Disney wanted it to come out afterwards. I mean, I, I love this notion of, oh, they couldn't put the rooftop gig in because it would ruin the surprise as if Peter Jackson discovered the rooftop gig. <laughs> right. Nobody knew. Wait a sec. How's this thing going to end? Everybody knew it was all about the rooftop gig. Well, it's it's also like you're you're talking about the rooftop having its own individualized like release, like you know, oh, we'll put it out on vinyl, or we'll put it out, you know, and it's it's a product in and of itself, but it's not long enough, in my yeah. opinion. There's not enough there to not. To, to have its own individualized thing. And now they've introduced that as its own inv individualized thing with the IMAX screening. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, I, I love Giles Martin. I, I love, I love that guy. I think he is the perfect guy for the job, but his most recent interview with Rolling Stone, where he talks about there just wasn't, you know, it took yeah. up too much real estate. There wasn't enough room. And, you know, uh, I always, he says something like, I always enjoyed watching the rooftop concert more than listening to it. And it's like, okay, so is that not the, listening to it, is that not the same thing as like listening through all the session tapes from Anthology or any of these yeah. box sets? Like, why wouldn't it be included on the box set? Yeah. I mean, they could, they, they could have put it on, on the same disc as the EP. Yeah. You know, they're, it, it, they're, yeah. they're, they're wedded to this notion, you know, they had a five LP box, a vinyl box, and then they're wedded to this notion that, well, the CD box has to replicate what's in the vinyl box. But that, that 
is just to ignore one of the main benefits of CD, which is is the space that it gives you. Um, yeah. You know, they could they could have filled those CDs and put download codes in the vinyl box for yeah. whatever they hadn't pressed on vinyl. Well, well not to yeah. mention. I was just going to say, not to mention the vinyl box sets up until this box set didn't include the book. That is true, yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, it's a good point about separating the, the 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 concert from everything else because, you know, before the Get Back Peter Jackson movie came out, uh, the, the rooftop gig, it's not what many people might think, which is the Beatles live in a similar way that, you know, the, the Beatles Christmas records are not actually it's not like they're christmas songs do you know what i mean it's a it's a it's an experience that you know fans would understand now putting it out after get back you know you could argue well there probably is more people that kind of understand it's not a classic live greatest hits type gig it's a it's a, a live event because they've watched this thing and so they don't mind getting you know one or two different versions of get back and all the rest so i i can see why there might be a demand afterwards but would that not just have driven the box? It's all just crazy. And again, there's absolutely no guessing what's going to happen next. And we might come back to this afterwards because I know Peter Jackson touched upon some of these issues. But as a listening experience, I have to admit, I think it sounds fantastic. I listened on Apple Music because that's where Neil Young is these days. And it was in a very nice, high quality format. And I think it sounds brilliant. And it's a uh, you know, it does actually stand up as a listening experience. You know, I, you know, there's lots of versions of it floating about. And, you know, you could argue, is it, you know, is, is it really something you'll go back to? But actually, it is something you'd go back to. Yeah, I think I, so. I, I, I think so. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I I've, I've say, kept everyone quiet. <laughs> I, well, no, I was, I was going to say uh, one thing, because I, I listened, obviously, at midnight because, you know. Yeah, me too. You have to. It's just the rules. Yeah, you have to, yeah. Um, yeah. But I listened, and the thing was, like, I've watched – get back you know a gajillion times now <laughs> and so it's like i've heard it and heard it but there's always the visual aspect of it and i felt like i was listening to a new product genuinely like while yes. while listening to it you have such a different perspective because you don't see all the the you know production assistants walking around with cameras and you know kevin kneeling with the notepad and <laughs> you know it's like you're just listening to uh, you know, I mean, I've done live recordings, you know, and, and yep. you, you having been there can visualize what happened, but then listening back to it and mixing it or whatever is a totally different experience. And, and we haven't, we haven't seen the rooftop gig, the whole of the rooftop gig, because we have people in the street and we have people on the street, you know, interviews. Sorry, and, 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 <laughs> <sighs> you see, you see what I have to put up with. You see what I yeah. have to put up with. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> So, so yeah, so we, we haven't had a chance to just sit and listen or watch the rooftop gig. But, you know, we have hindsight. Apple have people that should be able to predict and read the room, and I think they didn't read the room. With hindsight, what should have happened is they should have put Get Back, the, the movie, out before Christmas. Everybody would have loved it. We'd have had weeks and weeks and weeks of people talking about it and doing podcasts about it. And then they should have put, the Let It Be box set out on the 30th of uh, January. Um, think of the orders. Think of the, you know, people would have been so hyped up uh, after the movie to buy this well, box there's, set. There's still the big desire. I think what you're both saying is right. And it's funny, you're both saying the exact opposite of Giles Martin's plan, which is, oh, you really just want to look at it. 
And actually, just listening to it is totally different. It is a very live and present and in-your-face type recording. Um, it is spectacular that they pulled off the thing that they were trying to do, which is to go from not being a live band for two years to actually being able to pull off a, a, a decent half hour of tight, complicated material. That stuff, those songs are not particularly simple. They're quite intricate. Um, when you when you pick apart something like Dig a Pony, you know, there's there's lots of rhythms going on there and lots of top-notch playing that I think, anyway, I'm not an expert, but that's how it seems to me. And they're doing it on a roof in the middle of January. So they actually fulfill their brief and it is worth listening to on its own. Um, you know, whether you stream it and yes, it would be nice to someday get a, a physical copy. But I still have my theory that if you go to the Beatles website today, they have this thing that is, you know, get back the book, get back the film and get back the music. But get back the music has a bit of tape over it and the tape says, let it be. And it's as if somebody could rip off that tape and then you get a get back music box set experience that that's not beyond the realm of possibility that a concert thing, because we also need our Let It Be movie, which we promised three years ago yesterday <laughs> on the 30th of January 2019 that the Let It Be movie is coming. So there are still pockets of this that need to come out. But um, again, we'll, we'll come back to this later when we talk about um, Peter Jackson's Q&A. Did you know, though, that the rooftop gig that came out last week is still not exactly the whole thing? I was going to ask about that because that the thing that you posted on Twitter... Yeah. of the audio from the street the track list has a, a short jam of i want you she's so yeah. happy yeah there's well, first of all that audio is amazing isn't it isn't that it, that uh, it really yeah. is yeah so so yeah. if people don't know what we're talking about there's a, a, a the youtube audio the, there's a youtube um clip up which is about half an hour of the audio feed from one of the cameras on the street and it answers the question of what exactly were people on the street people on the street hearing um, and they were hearing the Beatles. It's actually very clear when you listen in the background that you hear them kicking into these songs and it makes them even sound more live and more present. It's really strange where somebody's wandering around with the microphone and you hear them kicking off into, you know, um, I've got a feeling in the background and, uh, you know, the, the, there's a version of I've got a feeling at the end where, you know, John's voice is very loud. You kind of hear his harmony standing out on its own. And you can actually realize that anybody in the street below would have been able to pick out John's voice, Paul's voice. They would have known exactly. I'm sure there was a common knowledge in the area that that's the Beatles office. But aside from that, it was really obvious when you listen to this recording made in the street that it was loud and it was them and people knew exactly what was going on. Everybody they ask more or less says, oh, it's the Beatles, I guess, because yeah, it sounds I mean, like the, the Beatles. The, the, there's one of the girls actually says, oh, that's Paul McCartney singing now. And then yeah. it stops in the background. She goes, oh, well, that was Paul singing. Yeah. So, uh, have you been, can I ask, have you, have you been to Savile Row, William? You were talking about yes. having yes. been to every... I have, I have been to the Abercrombie Kids uh, <laughs> me, me on too. Savile Row. Me too. I, I was shamed into buying a shirt uh, because <laughs> I was wandering around and they were kind of, you could see how they were, they were kind of thinking I was a shoplifter or, and I thought, okay, I better buy a shirt, tiny shirt for my nephew at the time. So uh, They know, they know that when we, men of a certain age wander in and sort of look wistfully <laughs> at the cornices, they know what they're doing. The, the year before I'd been there and uh, the, the, the Abercrombie had temporarily shut down and they were getting work done and there was a skip outside and there were workmen and they were, they were kind of, and I was kind of, you know, hanging around and uh, 
one of the workmen came out and I said, sorry, could I just, and he went, you can't get onto the roof. <laughs> and I said, oh, oh, okay. And he said, honestly, there's at least 20 people a day come up to one of us and say, would there be any chance of just nipping in and getting up onto the roof? He said, no, we can't let you onto the roof. So there is, there is, I think there is a market in London for some Beatles tourism. Like you've been to Liverpool, William. I know that as well, haven't you? Yeah. The, yeah. The, uh, and, you know, um, listeners, you know, there's a tiny bit of Beatle tourism in Liverpool, just a smidgen. Um, but uh, there isn't really any big, like there's lots of Beatle landmarks in London, but there isn't a Beatles museum. And Savile Row, a Beatles museum in three Savile Row would be great where you get, you end up your tour on the roof, looking out across where the Beatles were. I'd, I'd pay for that. The building is empty. Abercrombie for Kids has moved out. So oh, we has could, it? I didn't yeah, know we that. could start a GoFundMe page and uh, make off with the money. Yeah. Make, no, no. <laughs> oh, sorry. I mean, yes. <laughs> yes. We start could, uh, a Beatles museum. Start a Beatles museum. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's here's what I read. There, there's um, there's a chap who posted on uh, the Steve Hoffman forums, uh, a guy called Mike Carrera, who posts lots of things on there and is very informed and an interesting guy. But he was saying that, uh, you know, the, the concert that came out last week is 38 minutes and 34 seconds long. But the actual uh, longest version of what happens on the roof that uh, it's actually more uh, uh, 46 and a half minutes is actually the length of time from when they stepped out onto the roof to when they stepped off the roof. So there's a couple of seconds here and there of reels being changed and things being edited. But there is some in between interstitial noise that's still not on that uh, rooftop concert that came out last week. And one of them is that little tiny bit of I want you, she's so heavy uh, jam that they do. And there's a there's a one after nine and nine jam that I don't think is on the Apple stream and that kind of thing. Giles Martin specifically says in his interview, it's all there except for a few seconds of wind noise at the end that I... Uh, Which is, <laughs> once again, a lie. The, the, <laughs> you can even hear, you can even hear them changing the, uh, the tape reel. Is it, it's either right after the God Save the Queen jam or, or right before that, you can hear the tape speed up. Mm meaning that they've they've changed the tape reel down in the control room and they're yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. they're speeding it up to start again which is not you know obviously that's not out of the ordinary and and you know if that if it is lost to history uh that jam or or any other you know thing because of a technical the technical aspect of changing the reel okay but don't tell us that you just cut the wind noise bob <laughs> we we know you didn't just cut the wind noise you know and well, we want to hear the wind <laughs> Uh, well, we heard Ringo's wind in, in, in on day twenty one, didn't we? But the <laughs> the uh, uh, it, it is still a fantastic thirty eight minutes and thirty four seconds, and I think I think what is there sounds great. The Atmos Dolby Atmos mix sounds great. I am glad it is finally out there. I am still surprised that a Beatles release like that came out with literally a few hours' notice. Like it just seems crazy. Um, I I think they're they are. Reacting. Running, they're reacting. They're running to yeah. catch up, and and you know Peter Jackson, uh, you know I think deserves all the credit we can give him for for what he's done, and uh, I think Apple just need to pick up the pace, you know. Yeah. So let let's talk a little bit about you know why why we're here today. So uh, William, you went to see. There was the announcement a few weeks ago, along with the fact that. Uh, Peter Jackson's Get Back is coming out on three DVDs and Blu-rays with essentially zero extras unless you're into postcards and tat. 
Um, the uh, But you got to see it in IMAX because sadly on the island of Ireland, although we have IMAX theatres, none of them were uh, deemed worthy enough to show the, uh, the, the, the Get Back show on the 30th of January, which is a bit disappointing. But thankfully you were able to go set the scene for us. Where, where did you go, by the way? So I went to the the Regal Cinemas uh, in Charlotte, which is about, uh, let's see, I'll bring out my ticket here. Uh, <laughs> the Regal Stonecrest 22 IMAX. Uh, big shout out to uh, the Regal <laughs> Stonecrest. Um, <laughs> no, but it's a, it's in Charlotte, which is from my house. Um, it it's like an hour and 30 minutes from my house. Okay. Uh, I go to Charlotte all the time though. So it's, you know, it's fine. And, and I mean, obviously if it's going to be somewhere in North Carolina, it'll be in, in Charlotte or, or Raleigh. Maybe, well, as you, you know, see, but... I was, I was going to say an hour and 30 minutes. That's, that's, that's a, that's a good drive to get to the cinema, but you know, I, <laughs> you could drive the length of Ireland in an hour and 30 minutes. Not quite. Yeah. But, pretty uh, much. I, yeah. I'm a, I'm a musician. I'm, I'm used to, driving a bit you know jumping in a car or doing what needs yeah. to be done <laughs> exactly uh so we so we went down there um and i was just gonna say a couple of things about the the uh, the event itself uh it was shown in 70 imax theaters in the u.s and then at one other theater uh the BFI IMAX theater in london yes which is a very nice theater i've been to it and uh it's a great part of the world. You probably know it as well from your London travels. It sits in the middle of a roundabout. But it's one, one, one IMAX theater in the rest of the world. It it is pretty crazy. Now I think there is due to be a, a run in IMAX cinemas, but it hasn't been announced later in February. But uh, this it, was the one it, you wanted it to get has, to. It has. It has uh, been announced. It's the no, Feb. It's the eleventh through the thirteenth. Well, they haven't announced it in Ireland if it's coming to whatever uh, that one is called in Dublin. Boo. Anyway, oh yeah. IMAX. <laughs> that is racist. Anyway, the, <laughs> um, the, <laughs> so uh, it seems, uh, because I read the figures today, that um, there was a very high sellout rate in all the theatres where they showed it. There was a gross of over half a million dollars from this one night of showing um, the Get Back concert experience. So I'm assuming it was the same in, uh, in, in, in Carolina, where North Carolina, where the place was full. It was full. Uh, the two seats next to Abigail were empty, and I think that those were the only two seats, um, at yeah. least. And and um, when I actually, it's funny that you say that that it sold out because when we walked in, this this uh, cat in the front, you know, sort of row right there. Whenever you walk in, was you know turned to his buddy and said. You know, most of these have sold out all over the world. They're saying they're all sold out, <laughs> and I and I like turned and looked at Abigail. I said, "Look at you know, look at that, hey, you know." And um, <laughs> but no, we had we had really great seats, like right right in the the middle of the screen, perfect perfect view. Um, and so basically, the way that it started was um, I I didn't get any popcorn, didn't get any <laughs> anything. I was like, we got to be in there. I think it starts like right at three, and so we we went in and we sat down. And uh, when we uh, we were sort of milling around for a little bit, there was a QR code on the screen, um, and it, you oh know, yeah, Beatles get back, and then QR code, and it, it so of course I scanned it, and it took you to a, a landing page on your phone that said uh, your location, what theater you're seeing it in, your name, 
And then what question do you have? So that's when I texted Steven and I said, quick, answer me right question. now. Uh, I'm here. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. Look, uh, you know, and so, uh, but you could only submit one question. And so I had submitted my question, which did not get answered. Um, I mean, it got answered, but they just didn't say William's question from Charlotte. <laughs> uh, but um, my, you know, my question was like, what was... Uh, what was your favorite, you know, unearthed thing that as a Beatles fan you'd never seen? And uh, but he goes on to sort of sort of talk about that. But um, but yeah. And so then all of a sudden, lights went down, and then uh, up pops on the screen Matt Everett, uh, yeah. who I don't know from the radio. Uh, I unfortunately have to admit that I have in the past listened to another Beatles podcast. Oh. There are Steven, other are there, there are other Beatles are there, podcasts. Really? I, I don't know. Only I'm one. Sure. Uh there's <laughs> one other one. Uh mm-hmm. no, but but uh I I've liked I've liked him as a guest on that particular podcast um before. Uh but uh so so and it was funny because I as soon as he started talking, I was like, I think that that's Matt Everett. And um and then he said Hi, this is Matt Everett, and we're coming live to you from the BFI IMAX. And so, uh, so yeah, so it was cool. They had this whole stage rig set up. I'm sure you've you guys have seen I the saw pictures. The, yeah, I saw the pictures. Yeah, he's in London. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, he starts diving into welcome Beatles fans and and you know the 70 IMAX theaters and blah 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 stuff and and then one in London. And there was someone. There was someone behind him whenever he said like seventy theaters in uh, all across the U.S. and then this one in London, like s- someone behind him like rolled their eyes. <laughs> 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 the one theater in England, um, but yeah, and so uh, he started, you know, giving some information, and then they they welcomed Peter Jackson from a Zoom call uh, from New Zealand, and um, so Peter Jackson comes on and he starts he starts talking, and you know they're sort of making pleasantries and. And just really, you know, you can tell that he is really excited about, you know, this situation that it's finally going to get a showing. Um, and he just keeps like he thanked the the IMAX team a lot. Mm. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so then they, they started going into questions and, and I didn't exactly write down every question that was asked, but. Um, a few highlights that I did want to just touch on from Peter yeah. Jackson. Uh, first of all, I got to say, fellas, every time <laughs> this man gives an interview, d- is it just me or does every time this man gives an interview, <laughs> he just drops some subtle nugget that like blows my mind or like he, yeah. he drops something new every single time. What it's I've fantastic. noticed, he, yeah, he's, he's a super fan. He's totally tuned into the material. But what he's been doing throughout all of this, and from the reports I've heard from last night, he did it again last night, is he's kind of saying, you know, there's more of this stuff. There's, there's more. lots more yeah. of this stuff. And there's you've more. no idea. And it's almost like he's one of those guys who's kind of blinking a message to the audience to, <laughs> to <laughs> well, somehow he, get it, get, I, get it, get him saved, get him rescued. But he's he's that, that's kind of the general gist of where he's coming from, isn't it? Well, yeah, I, I think so. I, I think also he's not. Yesterday he he did way more than blink. Um, he <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, but you know, get, so what did he get to, say get exactly, and how did he? Well, like, was, okay. was this in response to a question, or did he just sort of offer it up himself? So one of the questions that was really good was, you know, sort of towards the end, and it was like um, he had talked several times, or th there was a question, maybe a little bit, you know, halfway, maybe or something, where someone said, "Was there any difficulties restoring the footage, and is there anything that you didn't?" restore either because of quality or you know and he said we restored everything and it was pretty much easy to restore everything and then he he starts talking about the the stuff in Twickenham and how the it's dark and so and he said that one of the more frustrating parts was that with the low light stuff as you can imagine when you're bringing that and you know whatever sort of restoration technology that they have to do, you know, supplementing frames, algorithmically supplementing frames for, you know, to bring it to 4K or whatever. Um, like the the smoothing of the shadows, uh, a lot of the, which I mean, obviously everyone who's seen it, you can tell just from a visual perspective, it's so much more fun to watch episodes mm -hmm. two and three because they're bright rooms or it's the rooftop, you know. Someone asked him, uh, did you interview anybody that was involved in the process, you know, in preparation other than Paul mm. uh, and Ringo? And he said, we interviewed hundreds of people. Uh, and then he twice he pulled up his iPad to show the screen. <laughs> and uh, the first time was pretty early on because... Well, I'll get I'll get to that. But but the second time he pulls up his iPad and and it uh, he shows a never before like you know five ten second snippet of a never before seen uh, interview with Ray Dag, the the cop on the, the 18, roof, yeah, yeah, eighteen year old cop, and uh, you know and he's like, well back then you know it's just you just got to do your job and I just it just couldn't go on. That's how I felt, you know, and like everybody laughed, you know, and um, but so he. He's like, and there's more of this when we've got all these interviews and we filmed all of them. And we did, he said that they did hours and hours and hours of interviews with Michael Lindsay Hogg. And like, you know, I mean, he just, he could not have been more, uh, you know, uh, gracious and, you know, w with his words about Michael Lindsay Hogg, he was <clears> just like, and, and one of the questions was, you know, how does compiling this footage differ from directing fictitious footage or or you know uh, compiling it that's already shot he just mm -hmm. he went on and on about michael Lindsay hogg like what a great job with all this footage that he's done and you know we just we have him to thank for all of this and i'm just the guy that inherited it or whatever um well, just just it, it it's interesting the thing you just to stop you there for a sec when you talk about the yeah. hours and hours of interviews because my impression of peter jackson and i'm no I'm no cinema expert, Stephen, but is that he's a big, he's a, he's a whittler, you know what I mean? That he, he starts big uh, in, in his movies and he, he gets them down to what he wants to get them do. So he takes these things on that are huge in scope. And it does make you wonder, was there a point in time when Get Back was going to have Talking Heads interviews as part of the project? No, he, he no. said okay. specifically, he said at no point, he said, we did all these interviews for the historical context and for, you know, posterity really yeah yeah posterity uh and really um 
I'm paraphrasing, but but the specificity of intention and purpose. Right. Uh, they wanted to get. Uh, he, he talks about with with Apple. I this was one of the the really interesting points. He said that when they sent the tapes over, there was a bunch of stuff that was mislabeled. Like they, he said that they had kept the footage in good condition. And so, you know, they were able to restore everything. But when they got all the rushes from Apple uh, to their studio in New Zealand, he said that there was stuff that was labeled day 14, but clearly the contents were day 15. Right. And, you know, and the clapper said, you know, day 15 or, or what time, you know, and stuff like that. And so he said that, you know, their goal not only was to produce a movie, a documentary, whatever, but also to improve upon the archive for Apple. And he said, now Apple owns all of this stuff. And whenever he was talking about all of the interviews, he said, and th this is the big, this is the big nugget. He said, all of these interviews would be great material if and when Michael gets to release his re-release of Let It Be on DVD. And he said that, and I was like, Okay, he said that out loud. Okay, so like <laughs> it's it's a thing that that it exists. You know what I mean? And then he he kept talking about it and talking about more stuff with it, and he mentioned it again and said, like I said, all of these interviews would be great bonus stuff for Michael for his DVD when that gets its release or whatever. And which I thought was a huge revelation, yeah. even though they've announced it three years ago. You know. Yes, because there's there, there's no yeah. sense in all of this. There's be, the, the the original Let It Be movie has just been allowed to drift off to one side, and uh, right. yeah. you know, so that that is big. Yeah, it does make sense though that everything is digitized because obviously, you know, he's not just going to digitize the bits for Get Back. He's going to digitize, you know, chronologicalize if that's the word, but everything in one place. Get it to the point he 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 needs to, and so it can sit on some big fat hard drive somewhere, and then he can get to whittling the the movie together itself. So it's great that all of that stuff exists in a safe place and in yeah. maybe another 50 years some other peter jackson type can come along and re-edit it a different way well so that that that's the that's sort of getting back to the original point right of what mm. you're saying about um you know two beatles fans he, he said you know there's so much here and my which he said on several other interviews but he said it again he said you know my general concern with all of this is that this stuff has been locked away for 50 years and anything that we didn't use is going to go back into the vault for another 50 years. Yep. Yep. And he said, so that's why up until two weeks before the the release, he said, I was sneaking stuff in like, <laughs> oh, you know, and not to make it shorter. Or he, he said, we, we kept editing and editing, not to make it shorter, but to make it longer. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, he said, you know, we'd I'd sneak in this bit. Oh yeah, that's that's funny. Yeah, let's sneak that in. And oh yeah, and uh, which gives really gives the impression that the length grew substantially in the final weeks leading up mm. to it. Um, and it's, it, uh, it, it is interesting because yeah. he, he I've seen him talk in other places that there's run-throughs of the rooftop songs that he didn't include because he wanted to he didn't want to reduce the impact of the rooftop. So we know there's you know, Apple basement run-throughs of one after 909 and all the rest from the, the day before. And again, you know, my one 
and it's a minor complaint about the movie is that it kind of treats January the 31st as an afterthought, you know, yeah. but it, which kind of plays under the credits. And I get why he, why he did that dramatically to focus on the roof, but it'd be nice to get clean, upgraded prints of two of us, let it be long winding road. And maybe, maybe that's what the cleaned up, let it be is for. And I, I wonder if the, the let it be that's restored and sitting on a shelf somewhere is it restored a la peter jackson where it looks nice and bright and shiny or does it still have is it just a cleaned up version of like a first generation print do we have any idea of like whether so, he restored it himself uh, i i don't know for sure i uh, yeah to to you know the short answer uh, i would say if you've restored all the footage and all the footage is there all the audio is there and it's all restored and everything is in a, a Pro Tool session or a Premiere session, Final Cut, whatever. Yeah. Then you just okay. Let's look at this shot <laughs> from the original Let It Be. Let's just well, pop that over. You know, what I mean, yeah. like I feel that is that would be yeah, that'd be like a total remix. Yes, just reconstruct. <laughs> you could just right, reconstruct. Yeah. But the original, I mean, the original film was prepared for a release a number of years ago, and mm. uh, Michael Lindsay Hogg has said he did the director's. Commentary, commentary at that time so there is a version but you know technology moves so fast well my my knowledge or my memory is that we got let it be naked instead it was around about 2002 there was a bit of hubbub that okay let it be is coming to dvd folks <laughs> and that's now 20 years ago which seems insane and uh uh it you know we you know who knows what the shenanigans were behind the scenes, whether it was, well, if the movie's coming out, Let It Be Naked is coming out or the, the album's getting... Uh, anyway, one thing yeah. led to another and we, we we obviously never got it. So, yeah, I wonder, is the restored version that version from a decade or two ago or is it a brand new... Yeah, could they could they totally reconstruct it? That'd be insane. <laughs> I would think I would think that you would use this footage. I mean, I, I don't... You know what I mean? Like, in, And especially with you know, how much he's talked about the audio component, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm pr pretty big audio guy. So, <laughs> you know, like the, him talking about the, you know, demixing in, in order for the film to, you know, Ringo really hitting the drums and not being able to hear it. Like, yeah, why wouldn't you use that on let it be? You know what I mean? Like, cause there, there are portions, there are sequences of that film that are, uh, hard to, to watch, I mean, hard to even just experience because you're 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 watching something and it's just the sound is just so so dreadful, you know. Mm. Um, so I, did, I don't know why they wouldn't use it. Um, did he talk any more about stuff that wasn't Get Back Let It Be related? Did he say anything about the General Apple archive or other bits of footage? Well, he said so. That's the I, I think that's whenever he started talking. That that's when he sort of turned to the camera. He he, he said there's. There's a lot of stuff that, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, once again, I'm, I'm afraid that it's not going to be used. It's going to be locked away or whatever. Um, and uh, so that's where, like, if you're watching, this is, I, I wrote down the quote, if anyone in the IMAX theater wants to see more, write to Disney and tell them you want to see more. They are, and then I paraphrase, Disney is rather reluctant or something like that. And I have no control over it. Wow. And so the least that we can do, that that's the only power we have now, is the power of the public to tell Disney that we want this. And and then he went on to say that he he really wants to get a phone call saying we're going to do an extended cut for 
you know, a Blu-ray edition or just, you know, supplemental on, on Disney plus. And he said, uh, he said, I, I think that there are two hours, two to three. No, no, not two. There's three to four hours of things that I would put in there. Uh, that, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. That, that I think are, um, of, uh, situations that are of genuine historical significance and context and provide even more context to the film itself. And that, uh, you know, a murmur went out over the, <laughs> over the audience. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, is there more? Absolutely. Is, is it edited? I think so. I think, I think all it is is just dropping footage in, really. Well, he, I, I, I got the sense from one or two other interviews he's done in the past that he has got certain bits that are like, as you, as you say, it's all, it's all there on a hard drive somehow, and there's probably certain sections that are ready to go. So, um, you know, at you know, one after nine and nine performances and some of those January thirty first performances, I can't imagine he doesn't have a version of those he could drag and drop onto a screen at the blink of a hat. You know that they weren't up for consideration at some point when this thing was being compiled. And there's obviously a bunch of, you know, if if they've any full footage of any song being performed, even even if you watch Get Back, you know, now you can see there are certain versions of songs and we just get a verse or two, you know, we're not getting the whole thing. And there's a sense that, well, the whole song must be there somewhere. Lucas, yeah. Lucas Hare, the, you know, friend of the friend of the show and does another so podcast. Um, he, he sent me, he sent me a quote from uh, Greil Marcus and uh, I'm not sure where it was taken from, but this is Greil Marcus said, um, in more than seven hours, wasn't there time to show the group playing a single song from start to finish? Can it really be true that every time they took up the likes of My Baby Left Me or High Heel Sneakers, they just stopped after a line? Yeah. I think there is a lot of that. And even where, you know, I know from the bootlegs, there are full versions. And occasionally the get back slips into a little montage, you know, where yes, George, yeah. George is singing, Mama, you've been on my mind. And I thought that was, I mean, I just thought that was a, very affecting moment where John is watching him and then suddenly it segues off into something else. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, or when Paul, uh, Paul goes through, he starts strawberry fields on piano. Yes. And, I mean, it's beautiful, you know? Yeah. Uh, the other thing, uh, my, my, uh, audio professor in college were both huge Beatles fans and, and we were talking about it and he said the original like minor sonata thing that, that Paul plays in Let It Be in the original yeah. film yeah. was not in the doc. All yeah. right. Why, why I have to admit, that? I have not come back to watch Let It Be since Get Back came out. I know that's on my to-do list, but uh, I just have to get my VHS player working. <laughs> it's interesting. It's interesting that Peter Jackson is saying we have all these interviews and we have all this sort of historical context that we've we, we put together and that would be great for Michael Lindsay Hogg. It's clear we're not going to get any of that on a, you know, a Blu-ray release of Get Back, you know, that he's, he's, he's sort of ruling that out, is he, by, by implication? You know, this is, Michael Lindsay Hogg can have this, but that's not going to impact on, on what we're about to get. Well, it's, the thing is, typically, I think maybe in a creative, in a creative uh, way, you think, well, they're two different products, but they're two different real products made out of the same material. Yeah. So, you know, the going going back to just everything being in shambles, like why, you know, when they originally announced it, they said there's going to be let it be 
yeah. you know, uh, you know, inclu- basically included in this final product. And and obviously the 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 irony is that they announced a product that then changed form many times before we got the product. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's supposed to be a, a movie, and then it was a six-hour, two-hour each episode thing, and then now it's almost eight hours. And, 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 now, and now we have four four more hours, potentially. Yeah, we said this in our, yeah. in our Christmas episode that uh, when they announced this in January 2019, first of all, not only was it not a Disney product, there wasn't even a Disney Plus in January 2019. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so the whole mode of getting it out has, has, has changed completely. And it's, it's very interesting to see Peter Jackson do these interviews and make these types of statements because... You know, he's he's a guy who seems to be a, a director who has final cut control, has a lot of control over his releases and his movies. And, you know, for pretty much all his career, he has decided what he wants to do. And, you know, this kind of I totally believe that he's, you know, recutting things to make them longer because he 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 doesn't have that control. And he's up against two of the potentially most controlling media entities, Disney and the Beatles, people who are utterly wound up about image and getting the right thing across and controlling it and making sure like it is amazing that it has happened you know that we have the eight hours that we have anyway and you know maybe we won't see those two to three hours I think that'd be a huge pity it is amazing that he has managed to get what he has gotten out there it's interesting that that you know Peter Jackson's gone rogue you know yeah that's what it feels like yeah yeah. It's it, you know where you get those situations where a director has made something or an artist has made something, recorded something, and the and the record company won't put it out, and they're appealing over the heads of the record company executives to the fans. You know, let's start a letter writing campaign, and you know, get let's get this released. And you you think, yeah, he's up against Disney, and he's up against Apple, and the the relationship between Disney and Apple is interesting as well. I mean, have Apple completely ceded control? of the visual project, that product, has that completely been transferred to Disney? So they have control. But the other thing, the other thing that's really weird, Stephen, is that, you know, it's not just that. It's that most of the time, though, you know, you're, you're talking about record companies who won't release albums. But most of the time, if a company gets a whiff of something that's successful, commercially successful and critically artistically successful, which I think this project is, they're like, how can we milk this? How can we get more out of this? And the fact that that's, you know, I, and I don't really think this IMAX thing is a, is a version of that. I, you know, it seems very, you know, small potatoes, you know, and maybe there is something coming down the pipe, but they are so controlling of legacy issues, the Beatles and, and Disney are so controlling of that. If it was up to Peter Jackson, we'd have that in the shops for Christmas. We'd have the six disc Blu-ray 12 hour version, no bother at all, because it's ready to go. And why wouldn't they do that? It just seems bonkers. It's funny because Jackson did say in some of the early interviews, you know, enough time has passed. Mm. What you know, why are the Beatles prepared not Paul and Ringo essentially, why are they prepared now to to let us see this and to let us sort of have it? and he said, Well, it's all become part of history. Mm. Um, it's sort of moved on, 50 years have passed, this is all part of history. And I'm just wondering, was there a decision? Did Apple just say, well, look, you know, Giles Martin's working on the Let It Be box, this is what we're going to focus on, just give all that to Peter Jackson, that's very nice, he's going to give us a nice digital archive when he's done. 
get some money out of Disney and then they can do what they like. They can take the risk. And maybe mm. there, there was a genuine sense. I mean, I mean, as William says, you know, this, this product changed many times before we oh, got yeah. to the 8-hour version. But maybe Apple just thought, well, there isn't a market for this and physical product isn't what people want anymore. Um, you know, they're not really that interested. Uh, Disney, they just Disney tell are, the lie that suits, don't they? You know? Yeah, I mean, that that totally uh, misjudges their their audience and their demographic, you know? I mean, I think to to, to both of your points about just, well, what's, what's the point in, in withholding anything? It's like mm. Mar- Mark Lewison has... has uh, I think he said it on this podcast. Like I, I, when I go, my whole archive is going to be available. Yeah. And just like the Beatles need to put everything out. Like they're just like, what are you waiting on? You know, are you waiting on the 100 year anniversary? Like all of the people that would buy the product are going to be dead. So it's like, yeah. And, and for, for a company who are putting out hundred quid box sets every year to say that there isn't demand for physical product, they're just, they're just choosing the lie that suits. It's very political, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, in, ter- in terms of what they're trying to, and what they're, they're, they're trying to, to do and put out. And I think let it be, they should have done some kind of crazy 60 CD. If they wanted to do mail order, people would have paid easily 1200 quid for that kind of thing, you know, Definitely, and they yeah. would have just taken the whole archive. But do you, I, I genuinely think that, Apple is still reflecting the negativity that has existed since 1970. You know, the, I don't the, know. I think I think they think the Beatles are precious, and they are precious, aren't they, Stephen? But no. <laughs> they, they, they're, they're they're saying that you know we can't we can't just open the doors because it'll ruin the legacy. We have to curate, 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 curate. And actually, now that we're on the post Peter Jackson get back era, I think you can actually say, do you know what? you could kick open the doors. It doesn't matter anymore. It well, doesn't matter. The legacy is totally fine. End of part one. Intermission. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. End of intermission. Part two. I know, I know it's a bit of a hobby horse about, you know, the disappointment box, but I think there is, there is such a holding back in the let it be audio box you know it's unforgivable because <laughs> because it's also one of the most bootlegged periods yeah. so most people who would buy the box have heard the tapes they've heard the nigra reels they know what's out there they know there's little nuggets in between all of the sort of aimless jamming and what have you they had the potential to do something spectacular 
with that mm. box. Um, but at the same time, they were saying enough time has passed that we can let Peter Jackson have all the footage and we can kind of give him control. And, you know, it's, it's passed into history. And, and, but at the same time, they're holding back. And yeah. It'll be interesting to see, you know, what's the next box? Yeah. Is it is it revolver? Is it please please me? Is it the star tips? Will the experience that they they, you know, they're 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 living through at the minute with get back, where people are are kind of uh, pushing them, <laughs> you know, towards releasing more product. Maybe they can't. They'll never get away with this again. You know, they'll never get away with a sort of make weight box set. Mm. You know, people aren't going to be satisfied after get back the the movie. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to what to Jason's question earlier of like, you know, is there is there some sort of overarching plan to like put all of this stuff out over the next twelve months, like, you know, to to fill the gap that they didn't sign the parlophone until sixty two, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, you know, do they not want to put out the Star Club tapes? You know, like what what is the what's the the plan and if they're gonna i was talking to a buddy of mine uh also a listener of this podcast uh yesterday hey. after after i saw it uh josh Earls, shout out josh um but hey josh I, uh, how's it going <laughs> but uh i uh you know we, we were talking about it and and he said you know they're uh just like peter jackson said it's like you know disney is is very concerned about money and but it, i find it really hard to believe that they don't see a path to 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 you know, monetarily capitalizing on this. I mean, it just for for something that has so many outtakes and so much footage and so much material, and to to put out an initial Blu-ray release that has nothing but what's <laughs> yeah. on Disney Plus. Like Peter Jackson said that during during the Q and A, he said, you know, what comes out in a few weeks on on DVD and Blu-ray is literally exactly what you see on on the streaming service. So you know. And and that's whenever he said, you know, I would love to do an additional three, four hours or whatever and like do do a director's cut, put more material in there that we have. And, you know, I mean, I, I still have it queued up and, you know, I mean, he's got he pulled up the first time he pulled up his iPad, he he showed us how they wanted to sync everything, every camera. Uh, so, you know, it's like the start of one after nine or nine. And so they you know, time aligned it and he's got 10 on the iPad screen. It's got like 10 squares and they're so all he can the direct it live. Yeah, basically. And so whenever they're in the edit, he said, you know, I, there was the reason that for the, the interview portions, there's still other screens going mm -hmm. is because he said, uh, you know, George could be doing a, a nice little dance. Uh, and you know, like Beatles fans want to see that, but also like, you know, they'd also want to see the interview or whatever. So that's why they that's why they did it that way. But you think he has, you know, an app I don't even recognize, like the the UI of mm -hmm. on his iPad that has all of this footage. I mean, just living on this metal slate and he's just, you know, puttering around Wellington, New Zealand. Like you have to imagine that he's he's got this locked and loaded, ready to go. I'm <laughs> you know? I, I, I'm, I'm I'm sensing uh, the, the makings of a great heist movie 
where we have to get Peter Jackson's iPad. That'd be my main plan. We just distract him with a hobbit or some crap. And okay, so new make... new plan. That's that's what the GoFundMe is for, is to fund our, <laughs> to, our heist movie. To go to New Zealand, we got to get that iPad. There is a larger philosophical question here, which is totally off the beaten track of what we were talking about today. But the question is, should the Beatles as an entity likenesses, recordings, everything, sell up lock, stock and barrel to an entity like Disney. Like, we need to think about the Beatles in 20, 40, 60 years time, uh, when the living custodians will not be there to manage it. And that is a very, we, we are currently seeing the great sell off of music copyrights, of writing copyrights, of identities, you know, Bing Crosby's identity and all this kind of stuff. The Beatles must be the jewel. And, you know, you kind of think, oh, my God, a corporation could just take over the Beatles and they become this brand like like Star Wars has been taken over by Disney, you know? Well, can I ask a clarifying question first? Well, I, I am making like, this up as I go along with you, but continue. <laughs> well, I, the, the question is, um, does Disney just have the uh, distribution rights to this footage? And Peter Jackson's Wingnut Productions is the creative. I mean, they, they have been hired to be the creative team to compile this. Then they go to Apple and they say, hey, can we use this? And then Apple mm-hmm. says, eh, sure. And then they go to Disney and then Disney says, no, it has cursing in it. You can't put it on our platform. Like, you know, I mean, like, so is that the hierarchy? You know, yeah. and, that and, is my and, and, understanding is that the ultimate owner is Apple. Apple owned all that footage and record tapes beforehand. Jackson is the production company and Apple were making this project with Jackson before Disney signed on. And if you look at the credits, it seems to be that Apple own it. It's purely owned by Apple. So I have no idea whether the, the rights revert after 12 months or 12 years or what it is, um, or whether Disney have certain rights, as we said, you know, the, the the imaging or the the licensing of, you know, that get back rooftop image of them, the four backs to the camera and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But my understanding is that it's, at the end of the day, it's owned by Apple. Sure. I mean, I think the supplemental question then becomes like, okay, well, do they, do they also own the distribution rights of the Let It Be movie? Do they also, you know, you know what I mean? Like that's, yeah, just, that's an open-ended question that that really dictates, I think, a lot of the answers that we're looking for in terms of why was the disappointment box so bad? Uh, why did the 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 new, um, you know, rooftop concert just go up on Friday? Like, is that a Disney decision? Almost certainly, yes. <laughs> but like, you know. But, but, but somebody does have deep pockets. You know, how much would it take? A billion? two billion to say give me it all and you know i own the beatles likenesses the beatles name the drop t logo all the recordings all the movies i own them and i'm gonna milk them we don't have that money jason are you sure that's what the gofundme is for now that's, that's what, what the um, this is this is a this is this is a, a constantly shifting goal that, this is uh, why we're putting this on acast plus we just need a few more subscribers in order to take over the beatles um we're, we're we're covering a lot of ground here so let's bring it back on track have we covered most of what peter jackson revealed before we headed into the movie or were there any I, other major I headlines do, i have one more thing okay 
and I love. This is a joyous thing. This is not a. It's not a complaint. I I love <laughs> this. Someone asked him about Giles and um his uh you know you know the IMAX experience itself that we were about to uh to view if they're you know so- something to the effect of how different was it to make this for this format or something like that mm-hmm. you know? and he said really like the best part is like the sound uh of this and so he said there's actually not um so so IMAX has a a, a specific uh sound mixing like codec and 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 list of specs which I actually looked up uh, but we can go over that <laughs> later um but uh but so the you have to have like a, a be in a specifically IMAX suited sound mixing room uh you know post production room uh, in order to, to to mix this, and he said, you know, there's there's not even an IMAX theater in in New Zealand that I could go to 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 view this and hmm. uh, and and to to edit it on. And there's certainly, if there isn't even an IMAX theater, there certainly wasn't a a mixing suite uh, for you know for us to go through. Uh, and so we sent it to the UK, and I asked Giles if he would remix it uh, for IMAX, and he said sure. And um, he said, uh, and the this is a great bit for Beatles fans, and I love this as a Beatles fan. Matt, do you know uh, that there is one IMAX uh, sound mixing suite in the in the UK? And Matt, do you can you take a guess where that is? And so I'm going to ask you guys the same question, unless you already know the answer. But I'm going to guess Abbey Road. Yeah. Okay, so Matt. Matt Everett also guessed Abbey Road, and I turned to Abigail and I said, "It's probably at Twickenham." And you can, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's probably at Twickenham. And then Peter Jackson said, "No, it's at Twickenham." Amazing. And I was like, "Yes!" Did you did so, you stand up at that point? Did you did you? <laughs> I, I I was very pleased with myself, um, but but uh, but no, I I definitely. Uh, he, he he said, "I just love that little bit um, because you know this whole project started at Twickenham, and now the whole project ends at Twickenham." That's uh, that's wild. Yeah, isn't that wild? That is that's absolutely wild. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's all connected. It's all it's connected, connected. to the Beatles universe. Yeah. So so then at that point they they just tip into showing they introduced the movie in IMAX, and what I've read is it's the exact same there's no difference in edit or anything like that um yeah there's so the it starts with the uh the ridiculous intro uh that is from the original movie which is not inherently ridiculous did you mean the, just... the 10 minute potted history from part one is it yeah 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 okay <laughs> i i i have to admit i i love that it's just like you know if you don't have time for the beatles anthology just it's it's a ridiculously compact 10 minutes but it hits all the right beats it does it does i just think the thing that makes me laugh about it every time i watch it is i'm 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 sitting sitting down full fully knowing that over the course of maybe that day or the next few days or the next several weeks that i'm gonna go through seven hours and 48 minutes (laughs) and 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 they they felt that they needed to put in this 
a brief history of the Beatles to people that don't know who the Beatles are, but they're consciously sitting down to watch seven hours and 48 yeah, minutes. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, 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 I know exactly what you're saying, but I do think it is effective because if you're trying to get that second wave of people who are saying, I'm going to see what this is all about. I right, think, yeah. I think you do actually need that 10 minutes to frame it. And he frames it very much in the, they were huge. They stopped touring. Brian died. Brian died is the big message that he yeah. pushes out a lot throughout that introduction and all through Get Back. Um, Definitely. So, so it's interesting. Okay, so then they, they just show that, they copy and paste that from the start. So it starts with that and then um, and then it goes to, uh, the, I think that they, they moved a little bit of stuff around to say and then they had all these sessions mm-hmm. and then and then bam, it's January 30th and we're here. And, and then it opens up on, you know, uh, the London streets. And there's that one, one shot, uh, that, um, like during the Q and a, he talks about the, he loves all the stuff from the street because it's so rare. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's really ahead of its time in that, uh, you know, back then we didn't have reality TV. Uh, if anything was on, on film or on television, it was very scripted, and it was, you know, zany and or whatever, you know. And this is like such an interesting look at what just random passers-by, what a London street looked like in 1969. Yeah. Um, and he talks, you know, he talked a lot about like the time machine thing. So it's, it it starts out with those and, you know. It's the, 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 the London street in 1969 is very drab. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know, you have George and his, his wide lapeled pink pinstripe suit and you think if he had just walked out of the apple building and round the corner everyone else is dressed in kind of trench coats and very yeah. dull and it's 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 very drab and um you you know you you just presumably you just got a glimpse of the the peacock beetles as they got out of their car and went into the building it's like they're it's a different world once you get behind that door except for that one that one lady in the lovely red coat uh that turns and looks up <laughs> yes, yes yes um, yes but uh who was some who 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 somebody on twitter identified that as his mother yeah that was his mom yeah yeah that was wow. insane that was insane. um and what was well this is a brief aside but uh yesterday there were a bunch of people that went to savile row <clears> and uh, uh presumably like people that were in the movie no or yes there were there was a there, were, there was uh, a couple that were into uh, the interviewees were photographed outside, uh, sort of on the steps or in front of the door. So they'd been there fifty-three years before and been sort of stopped in the street by, you know. I was there. I was there in uh, twenty nineteen, and uh, we stopped the traffic. Uh, there were there were a couple of hundred people um, just standing around and it was <laughs> freezing cold, absolutely bitterly cold. But uh, Paul didn't turn up, so yeah, it's too bad. He he was over. Uh... At um, his offices, you know, That's where, where you had where just I should been. have been, where I should have been. <laughs> you had just come from not seeing him there, um, but yeah. So, so then it, it, it's it's street, and then you know, at a, at a certain, it, it shows those street views, and and there's like the whatever the the yellow and and blue like uh, ice cooler ice truck, fan, like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, like t- turns left, uh, and then and then from there it just starts with. Uh, it, the opening shot, I I will say, it's it's that same upward view of yeah. Savile Row, and it says, you know, and it, it, after it, you know, sets the scene with all the street stuff, uh, it, you know, 
pans up and says the Beatles get back different font than in the you know Disney Plus thing, and then the rooftop concert, which is the the font that they've been using on all the you know promotional stuff, the red you know, yeah, and then yeah, and then it just sort of starts and uh, it, it started with George Martin walking in and seeing oh the, the camera. hidden camera. Yeah. Which that's another. I I feel like I'm this whole time going through it. I'm going to go back to you know remembering different things from the Q and A. But that's someone asked what his favorite, one of his favorite moments was uh, to be like unearthed. You know, and mm-hmm. he says uh, he says uh, I'm, I'm there's so many, uh, but one that like brings me particular joy is is the uh, the the hidden camera and the fact that we get to see the hidden camera. And he says. As a director, you know, I've, you know, you've, you can do hidden cameras in, in paintings or in, in photos on the wall and, and, you know, create a, a false, you know, false wall or whatever and put it in there. And, uh, and he said that their, their solution to this hidden camera thing, you know, for Michael to have the foresight to put it in the lobby, he said their solution to this was basically the equivalent of a garden shed that they brought in <laughs> and they painted it all white. And it it he said is the most uh, most conspicuous hidden camera in history. It's just totally ridiculous. But the thing um, is, again, the people didn't have the language, the media language at that time to even expect a hidden camera would be there. So, you know, right. the cops wouldn't have been expecting a hidden camera to be there. George Martin does that little sly smile at the hidden camera, which is very funny because he knows that something's afoot. But you know, nobody was that savvy or sophisticated for that type of thing back in 1969. You know. Right, yeah, um, and so then Glenn Johns walks in and he goes downstairs, and you know it's it's the whole bit. It's the whole the it's, it's the whole sequence, and and uh, I guess you know obviously Paul comes out and they they kick off and they kick in. Um, sound wise, from the IMAX experience, definitely worth the money and time. So, so I mean, Paul <laughs> comes out. They they get ready and and he he hits that one bass note. Yeah. And Peter Jackson said like you know when he hits that first bass note, it's it's really exciting, especially in this in this um, uh, uh, medium. Mm. Uh, and the thing was, the whole Q and A was stereo. I mean, yeah. it was, you know, it was just right in front of your basically right in front of your face. And then when the movie started and everything, they were. You, you know, you could tell that they were probably placing some of the Nagra uh, things in um, the, you know, in, in, in a couple different uh, height channels within mm-hmm. the IMAX. Um, and uh, so, you know, you kind of got the gist of it. But then all the like talking, all the dialogue, you know, Michael Lindsay Hogg, like, you know, put that one over there, you know, like. <laughs> whatever like all of that's like generally you know generally stereo and and it's not yeah. you know anything and he hits that first bass note and it it hits like a ton of bricks yeah. and and you know little once again a little murmur went out over the audience and then they all get up there and they all you know it just goes in to get back that first little bit of get back and it was amazing i mm. i you know, it, it really, it almost made you like jump out of your skin because it it was immediately 
a different experience. It was immediately yeah. loud and yeah, yeah. No one has heard it like that before. So that's the right. first time it's been heard in that yeah, format. Yeah. So so that was that was incredible. Um the uh as they started to play, um it's uh the I think one of the best parts about the sound is once again in the in the Q and A, he said that a, a myth that he learned about that he was glad to uh dispel or or was, you know, uh dispelled. Is that the word? Dispel? <laughs> yeah, uh yeah. for him. Um uh, was that you know they were tiny little amps and you know it really wasn't that much of an imposition on the surrounding area and it wasn't that loud which I mean obviously we can hear that audio from the the recorder on the street it clearly yeah. was loud but he said it was loud as hell like <laughs> I I learned it was very loud you could really really hear it, it they had it cranked and those amps by the way are not they're not small. Like yeah. they're using, they're using, uh, you know, prototype Fender, uh, either deluxe reverbs or twin reverbs at that point. And I, I just borrowed one, uh, a couple months back. That's a 71 and it just turning the knob to two or three is too loud for this apartment, <laughs> way yeah. too loud for this apartment. So, and you know, in 69, like they had it cranked. So, yeah. um, so it was, you know, and that's, the one of the things about the mix i think that was just really 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 fantastic was you know in the on disney plus whenever they go to that wide shot from across from the other roof from across yeah. the street and they you know they clearly yeah yeah they they've mixed it as if it was that far away you know for for a split second or whatever the they did that a lot and it, what was amazing about it was that um and to go a little audio uh, nerd real quick. I'm going to read. So this is the IMAX uh, like specs, like from the IMAX website. Uh, IMAX already has a proprietary, proprietary immersive sound format in its theaters, which consists of 12 channels of sound, seven of them at the base level and five above. Mm -hmm. uh, unlike Atmos and theoretically DTSX, the IMAX format is entirely channel-based and does not use... 3D sound objects, which, so what that means is like w during the film, there wasn't a lot of motion from an object. So it, like in Dolby Atmos, you can, you know, you have, yeah. you have, you have the beds and then you have objects. And so you can swirl it all things around, around and everything. Yeah. But the cool thing about this mix was the, the mix was pretty stationary, but it was really, really associated with the camera and even the depth of the camera. So not only did it really, really sound like it was like we were listening to it from across the street, but you know, during I think during Get Back, either take one or take two, they do that really close up on Paul's face, and it really gets close up. Like the his his voice in the mix gets really, really close up. And you know, there's that one part where they zoom in on on George's guitar solo. And that gets really, really close up. And so, so they're, they're, so they're, 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 pull, they're pulling the sound up to match the... Yeah, like they're pulling it both... Uh, think of it uh, in in uh, two ways, like amplitude, loudness, but then also spatial front to back. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when the camera 
is like right on Paul's face, the vocal is also right in your face. You know what I mean? And then, you know, and so on and so forth. So it's really far back from across the street or whatever. And, and that was, it was really amazing because, you know, I know it probably sounds really cliche, but it really felt like we were there. <laughs> to, to be honest, because the mix was just so fantastic, genuinely. I guess when 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 they get to the end of the rooftop gig, uh, as you say, it's the same edit as the as the movie. Do they then just roll the January thirty first credits and performances as well, or was there anything different they do. about that? Oh, okay. They do. Um, one one thing I I, I wanted a, a point of contention, <laughs> uh, and just like from from my experience watching it, you know. We spent a lot of time on on this talking about the potential for new material, and I yeah. went into it being like, okay, this is ninety minutes. The rooftop concert, like they just released, is what thirty eight minutes. Yeah, so cool. And then they started the intro, and I was like, okay, well, this is this knocks out a good portion of that ninety minutes, there, pal. Yeah. And then initially, probably you know, third, you know, twenty minutes into the film itself, including the intro. I kind of got the gist that like, okay, there's, there's probably not, nothing new. I was pretty disappointed. Mm, yeah. And then I'm, and then I, I was just like sitting there. I was like, okay, so like, I can't be disappointed. I have to sit here and like appreciate the reason that I'm here, both the communal aspect of it, which was really great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just during the Q and A, someone from our theater got got a, a question asked and everybody started cheering. It was like, you know, so-and-so, so-and-so from Charlotte and everybody started cheering. And so that was super cool. And all the funny moments were even, were, you know, 10 times funnier, Yeah, uh, you know, cause people, you know, just well, watching I, it in a crowd, I, you know. I think there was a question before, when this was announced was, was it going to be a different edit? I think there is scope for as much as I do like the audience Q and A's and questions in the same way that we got a, a straight audio release of the gig. I think I would like a straight rooftop edit of the gig at some point. Again, the mystical, mythical uh, Blu-ray extended edition could be a place for that, you know. But I, I think there is that would be something I would like to see. Well, that was that was definitely one of the things I know. A lot of people in the original edit, whenever I, you know, with the street interviews, I mm. I really enjoyed those in the original edit. I know a lot of people did not because it distracted. From the thing and that was another point of contention for me was going to the concert it's the entire rooftop concert yep. in imax for the first time look at this you know and they just released the full audio where there's no interviews yeah I like, so i thought I, it would make sense for them to be two of a two of a kind maybe maybe there'll be a a dvd cd combo with an unvox popped rooftop version yeah. in black and white who knows what, could, it was, what they might do. it was just just really loud too so you know I saw someone on uh, online say, you know, they turned down the, the, you know, interviews and, you know, it was a little bit better. But it, it, for me, it was just still, it was like over, even more overwhelming because it's like this really mm. great and very loud mix. And then you're like, uh, you know, they woke me up from my sleep. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like piercing, you know. <laughs> so. uh, well, you're you're making us feel quite jealous, Stephen. I yes, don't know how yeah, you I feel. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it's interesting because I, I I was looking at people tweeting last night, and they were all saying the same thing. It was so loud. It was you know you know incredibly loud. And then someone today was pointing out that there were complaints at Old Compton Street uh, Police Station, which mm. is behind. You know, they were facing away from that's in Soho. So that that's quite some 
distance away from the rooftop. And um, Terence Stamp, uh, the actor, you may know him from Superman, William. <laughs> go go on. Terry and Julie from Waterloo Sunset, allegedly, but apparently not. Um, he He walked away from his acting career on the same day. So he just kind of left London, went off to some... Indian retreat and he talks in his autobiography about um, in, in Piccadilly leaving his apartment block and hearing echoing across the rooftops uh, the Beatles were playing as he had a, he got in a taxi and walked away from his uh, his, his um, successful film career and you think it's Blimey. you know it must have been all of central London must have been able to hear that you know I have I have an, I have an audio question. Now that we have okay. we, we have we have someone with an ology in audio. Um, <laughs> why is there no wind noise? So that yeah, I mean, it's the it's the baffles, uh, isn't it? The the stockings, the stockings. Uh, I was I was trying to think oh, of yeah. the the European word for it. Uh, the yeah, the stockings, and, and uh, that, that was another thing I didn't know that Peter Jackson said during the Q and A was that. Um, uh, you know, obviously Alan Parsons from Alan Parsons Project. You know, he's like one of Glenn John's, uh, you know, assistant engineers, and yep. so and I think he was he was up on the roof, um, and I think he really is probably. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Is there is there any footage at all of Glenn on the roof before the gig? I don't think. Oh. Uh, hmm. I don't Is he think there so. at the very, 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 very start? Briefly, at some point, I'm trying to think. Does he appear? I, may, maybe, but, but I know. But I know. I, there's that main picture of himself and George Martin down below, starting the tapes. Yeah, uh, but, I, but I've somehow a mental image of him fleetingly on the roof. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Well, we'll, we'll have to go back and, and we'll have just have to in, go but... to the IMAX and go and see it all over again. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, but Alan Parsons, uh, uh, Peter Jackson told a story. I, I, I don't know if if this is a, a common knowledge or not, but it wasn't to me. Uh, they they had sent Alan Parsons out that morning to get stockings from a local women's boutique, and, uh, hmm. and very embarrassingly, uh, what, what Peter said was very embarrassingly for for uh, Alan Parsons was that the the shop attendant said. Um, and what size do you wear, <laughs> sir? What size do you need? And he said, uh, "It's it's not for that. It's for something else." <laughs> um, so, for to answer your question, though, it's a it is quite frankly a miracle that that there is no because what's it? It's like 40, 41, 43 degrees on mm. top plus wind. Yeah. So you can, I mean, you can see you can see Lennon's hair. You, you yeah. know, you can see the wind is there, and there's there's not a whisper on those mics. But it's a it's a crack team, like Chris Thomas, Glyn Johns, Alan Parsons, and floating George around. Hmm? George Martin. I was also saying floating floating yeah. around as some sort of you know um, missionary without any particular office is George Martin, yeah, who yeah. Uh, you know the whole recurrent theme throughout Get Back Watch Get throughout the the month. What I find really curious is the Beatles and Glenn's relationship and the Beatles and George's relationship. And George is very much a trusted facilitator. I'll come in, I'll fix that. And the Beatles and Glenn, it's a little bit abrasive, you know, don't tell us what to do. And he's telling them what to do. Really, really interesting. And, and no doubt Glenn did a, a, a great job at capturing that sound. But th 
those four guys are the best in class. Like when you think about what what George had done already and what the other three were about to go off and do, amazing, amazing group of people to pull that off. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, did, did did you notice uh, that the, there's a little clip of Mal with his hammer on the roof? I I didn't. No. So you see, that's another thing you have to go back. I only noticed that last <laughs> night when I was watching it. Mal, Mal Evans is on the roof with his hammer, ready to go. I didn't see the anvil, but the the hammer is there. And you think, were they were they seriously thinking they might they might do Maxwell's silver hammer? Um, oh oh, they should have. I know why he had the hammer. They should have done. I want you. She's so heavy. Sorry, you were saying, William. I, I know why he had the hammer. Sorry, sorry. To okay, no. Off. Why did he have the hammer? At the beginning of the the film. Ringo says, "You nailed me down in the wrong in place. the wrong place. That's, that's why. Right. That's why. Yeah. I there you so go. So in case, in case the wind blew the symbols over, or because I think that that's a, it's a real concern, and and I mean it's a real concern, especially considering a flimsy drum set in 1969, yeah. and b Paul jumping up and down on the boards. <laughs> Paul jumping up on the boards is so funny. How can you drum on that? Like, how can you do anything on that? But particularly, how can you drum? You are nailed down." To to yeah, do well, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, absolutely yeah. wild. Yeah, that is the joy of Get Back. I think we'll be watching it for years to come. You just go back to it. I'm I'm trying to figure out my next listening experience. Uh, or my next viewing experience. It might have to give it a few weeks or months, and then I'm going to try and but you it, know get a yeah. But it is it is it is one of those things where you're you're constantly going to be seeing. Like I only noticed last night when I was watching it. Um, I watched the sort of 15 minutes in the lead up to the rooftop and they're they're running through don't let me down and the camera is behind billy preston and just suddenly the camera starts to move to the right and you just see linda linda's leg yeah and she's like one finger just tapping away on the organ during don't let me down and i thought there she's rehearsing for wings she's it's wings it's that beatles and yeah. wings combo <laughs> yeah there i there were a couple of those things i noticed yesterday during it there's a there's a glass uh, there's a glass of beer uh, over John's like left shoulder that's mm -hmm. on the road case that has all of George's uh, guitar, uh, all of the guitars. There's a glass. It's towards the beginning. The glass of beer is half full, and like two songs later, it's empty. <laughs> ah. It's like whose whose beer is that? Who and when did they drink it? Why didn't they show? <laughs> why 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 do we not have audio of that beer being? Uh... <laughs> Drunk, yeah. yeah. The, thing, the other thing is, George is intensely serious on that rooftop gig until the end. He yeah. every time you know you see Paul and John. John is just enjoying himself. Paul is beside himself. He is ecstatically Paul is so happy, happy. And then he sees the and, police, and he's so and, happy. And, yeah. and George is over there in the far sort of right hand corner, concentrating, being very serious until Mal switches the amp off. And he kind of then, when the amp comes back on, he kind of... He's indignant that the lamp, that yeah. the, the amp is switched off. And he's yeah. like, no, yeah. no, you don't dare. He's, he, uh, he, he is kind of in the moment. There was, there was, I think it's uh, They May Be Parted, uh, that who've been, who've been doing the kind of, you know, day by day. And they said all it took for George to get engaged was for somebody with more power and more authority than Paul to say, you can't do that. <laughs> And George immediately, you know, okay, well, I will do that. And, and you know. Well, I, I think in the 
the, their joy really came across in the in the showing yesterday, and I don't know if that's because it, it was a, a concentrated experience, you know, where where mm. you going like because because going from, I mean, even just to watch the concert on Disney Plus, you have you know you have to go you know halfway through the episode or whatever. I, I will say to to your point of of George being serious, I think he's very nervous at the beginning. He's super. They're all very nervous. That's why the first take of Get Back is is not. Yeah, really that that good. They're probably very cold. They're probably not warmed up because it's lunchtime, and I know I'm not. At and George lunchtime. didn't want to go on the roof, and afterwards he didn't want to go back onto the roof. Like George but, is but, probably the least willing participant. In uh, that's I'm not. I'm just uh, explicitly I, I, I agree, that's what yeah. he said. Yeah, I think, but I think he does. He relaxes during take one of Don't Let Me Down when John flubs the lyrics. You could see him laugh. You can see that's him my, laugh. That's yeah. one of my favorite parts of the whole concert. And then afterwards, you know, they're down in the thing and, you know, he's like, what's the law that says you can't do that? <laughs> yes. You know, and like, and they're just all laughing. And then they show the part, you know, uh, of John flubbing the lyrics and he and laughs, laughs again. again. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And George laughs again. Yeah. It's George that says, let's get all the rock groups. Where, you know, where, where will we go tomorrow? T- top top uh, of the in, Let's tomorrow. get all the rock groups in the whole world, all in London, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, playing the same thing. And, and we'll... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, um, it's... It's a uh, it's it's a gift that keeps on giving. So, in short, you think you'd recommend it should be seen in IMAX uh, if anybody has any opportunity to get to an IMAX screen. In yeah, I mean, I, for 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 the sound for sure. Uh, and I mean, you know, it's kind of like uh, I talked about earlier with with uh, Peter's frustration with it being, uh, you know, sort of grainy. It it looks fantastic. There's only yeah. there are only a handful of shots. There's a there's a long shot from across the, from the other rooftop. There's a long shot that uh, I was watching it and like Paul and George and Ringo look kind of blurry, but then you look and it's like, it's been smoothed out, but then the focus is actually on John. I thought yeah. that was, you know, pretty, so, but it looks fantastic. The, when it gets to the big, you know, big screen, and then they've got like three on the side or whatever, like that, you know, that kind of stuff looks amazing. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I think in terms of the the experience, uh, it's amazing to see it with other Beatles fans yeah. uh, in, in a theater as much as it, it's, it's probably on parts, but fellas, it's probably the same thing as going to a nothing is real live show. Um, <laughs> that's what I've just, been saying for a long You just long love time. something so much and you get to experience <laughs> it with other oh, people. Just kissing ass. <laughs> well, look, so so we, 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 we need to go and say, we need to find an IMAX. We need to build an IMAX. Uh, we need to get to an IMAX and we need to get there with other people. That's, that's. Yeah. Uh, the, the best bonus part uh, I didn't even tell you about the bonus part. Uh, so we were we were walking out, and there was like a line to get out, and I was like, "Did they like lock us in here? What's going <laughs> on?" And so like you know, enough people like shuffled forward, and we, you know, I was like, "What what are we waiting on?" And and there was a cat outside the door with a table, and he's passing something out, and they were and people like. Oh, there's there's posters, there's 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 gifts, <laughs> and I and I said because you know my girlfriend and I were like we gotta you know get some dinner, really hungry or whatever, and then they said posters, we're like, well we gotta stay, so we like <laughs> we we get in line and they they hand out this uh, little ditty 
uh, oh, which yeah, is a, a lanyard pass type thing. Yeah, lanyard. Yes. The yeah, the lanyard definitely the best part. The best one of the best gifts, I think. Uh, and I like the little VIP. Uh, for those of you who can't see the Zoom call, <laughs> uh, it is a it's a VIP pass type thing with a Beatles "Get Back the Rooftop" concert lanyard, uh, which is pretty cool. And then they gave us also. Where where is that poster? Take it out. Where is you, it? You oh, got a free hey. poster. You got a free hey, poster. Free, oh, look at that. Free free poster. Uh, and uh, and then my girlfriend was like, "Should I get one too?" And I was like, "Absolutely, yes. We 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 will." Of course, you need e- several. E- eBay, here I come. Yeah, we, we will we will get several. And then they and then they passed out this little card thing, and it has a uh, a QR code uh, for the disappointment box. Uh, but uh, I have two of them, and if you scan this code or use this code, you get ten percent off the box set on Beatles.com. So if you guys want to buy it, you can get ten percent. I get ten percent off. Yeah. So we 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 we've been we've been joined on the podcast today by uh, William Henson, VIP. Yeah, absolutely. it's official. It's official. He has a badge. He has a badge. Well, well we should thank you so much, William, for all your time and for doing that for us and being our roving uh, North American correspondent, which is great. Um, I, I suppose it's time for the William Hinson promo minute, which is you've got uh, a new single out called Social Fitness, and I'm, I'm assuming there's an album on the way. Uh, yeah, that's a it's a fair assumption. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, secretive. Yeah. <laughs> For anybody that hasn't heard it, they should they should you know do the Beatle thing and go and listen to your version of Eleanor Rigby. That's true. Or go listen to William's song George Harrison, which I think is how I first encountered William because it came on a Spotify playlist a year or two ago. And this uh, is uh, that I regard this as the unofficial uh, "Nothing Is Real" alternative theme song is uh, <laughs> is is George Harrison. So I yeah I I agree. but everything uh is available williamhinson.com is kind of the base website and you're on all the streaming services and um yeah we can thank you very much it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and uh from the sounds of things Stephen, we've really got to get to an imax we have yeah i i i want to say just real quickly like thank you so much for having me on i i discovered this podcast very very early on and um (laughs) it was totally out of uh, the realm of possibility to 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 be on. So uh, when oh. when Stephen asked, I, I I was I I've told everyone I know. So uh, <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna be on the pod. And so uh, there you yeah, go. I really appreciate three new it. listeners as a result of, uh, <laughs> of that. That's, that's really That'd be exactly. fantastic. It's a pleasure, and thank you for everything you do for us and spreading the word and being a being a, a an, an apostle of the podcast. We really appreciate everything. Um, but that's about it for now, Stephen. I'll, I better do the spiel. We're available in all the usual places uh, at Beatles Pod on Twitter, www.nothingisrealpod.com, the website, which is the portal to all the other stuff. William runs the Instagram. He, that's what he sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> Ray. And, um, you know, all the other stuff is there. Nothingisrealpod.com is where, uh, is where to get a portal to all that. I want to thank all the Rightcast Plus subscribers and supporters uh, for helping us put Nothing Is Real together. Season six is on the way, isn't it, Stephen? Oh, well, I hope so. <laughs> Something's going to happen. It's going to be great. It's going to blow your minds. And uh, we're getting Peter Jackson to do a very long version of it. It'll be great. <laughs> but, for, but for now, that was William Hinson. Thank you, William. Thank you, guys. And my name's Jason Carty. My name's Stephen Cockcroft. And this has been Nothing Is Real. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thanks for listening to Nothing Is Real. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, why not become a member? You'll get access to ad-free content, bonus episodes, and so much more. Follow the link in the show notes, sign up on ACAST Plus, or visit our website, nothingisrealpod.com.